Hey, it's so good to be with you today. Welcome home. Happy Sunday. It is the third Sunday of the year, if I'm right. And by golly, I cannot believe that it is almost February. Um, I told my wife this morning that these feel like the longest and the shortest days all at the same time. <laughs> I feel like 2018 was just yesterday, but it was also a whole different lifetime ago. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm so thankful that you're here. Uh, my name is Jaron. It's like Aaron with a J. Easy way to remember it and say it. I'm part of the team here at Calvary. Um, on behalf of Pastor David and Pastor Ashton, I want to say welcome home. They can't be with us today, but they're going to be back super soon. Uh, Pastor David's going to be back in the saddle, and uh, I'm super excited for that. But in the meantime, we are going to dive in today to week two of our series, our six-part series called Flesh. Everyone say Flesh. It's kind of a grungy word, right? But it's all right. You can say it. Everyone say flesh, nice and loud and proud. All right. And now, now it's not just flesh, but we're subtitling it Jesus in and through you. Why is that? Because this series, we're talking about how to live the Christ life. In other words, how to allow Jesus to live in and through us. And we're going to get into that today. Uh, before we do... I want to introduce myself, tell you a little bit about me. I don't know about you, but whenever you go to church or a conference or a TED talk and, um, you know, you get to know the person just a little bit, it just makes things more comfortable. It's a conversation. And so, um, like I said, my name is Jaron. Uh, me and my wife, um, who was singing earlier, um, we live here in Fort Worth. We've been here for five years. I grew up uh, born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. What's up? And so, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, I'm about to have me a good day today, y'all. Um, the Chiefs are in the playoffs. Um, and, and because of that, because I am a native Kansas Cityan and very, very passionate about the Chiefs, you're probably going to hear me make fun of the Cowboys at least a couple times today. So get used to it. I'm the one who has the mic, so I get to do what I want, okay? And I'm going to make fun of the Cowboys because they're not in the playoffs, and I'm always going to rub that in everyone's face. See, I already got someone leaving. Um, I, don't any, I don't mean to offend anybody, but I just want to recognize greatness when I see it. Um, but anyway, I promise I'm not going to talk about football too much today. But anyway, that's just a little bit about me. I love Kansas City. I love the Chiefs, and um, I love this church. Man, I love our pastors, and I love um, you, and I love um, the people of this church. I love the gospel. More than anything, I love the gospel, and so I'm so thankful to be here um, to get to share the word with you today. Are you all ready to dive in? Flesh part two. Come on, say what? All right. Something y'all got to know, I'm an interactive kind of guy, okay? So the better you respond, the better I preach. That's just how this works, okay? So don't be afraid to get a little loud, get a little proud. I'm an old Pentecostal boy, raised up Pentecostal. So if you want to make some noise, I'll preach better, I promise, all right? Hey, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your life that is in and through us. Um, Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity, the ability, the freedom to gather um, together. Uh, Father, to um, come to know your word, um, come to know who you are, come to know who we are. Jesus, I pray that as we dive into the words that you spoke, um, that you lived, um, your word, Father, I pray that it would just um, sink into our hearts, that the eyes of our heart would be open um, as we learn how to live 
um, your life and let you live your life through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give Jesus some praise. All right, y'all. So, Flesh Week 2. Just to give you a little recap, if you missed last week, you can go on any podcast platform, look up Calvary North Fort Worth, and you'll be able to listen to last week. But just to recap some things to set up a foundation for what we're going to talk about today. Um, Last week, we started this series, and basically the framework for this whole six weeks is we're bringing answers to the question, how um, how, how, how do I look like, or, or better yet, I'll say, what does it look like and what does it mean to be the hands and feet of Jesus today? Okay, because so if you don't know, if you're a believer in this place, that's your calling. That, it, it, that is the, the, the responsibility and, and, the, and the joy, honestly, that Jesus has given us as believers is to be his hands and feet everywhere we go. Okay, so we're answering the question, what does that look like? What does that mean? And in a nutshell, we're going to talk in this series all about learning to live as Jesus. Okay, hear me, not live like Jesus. Okay, there's a difference. Now hold on with me, because if you are getting a little weirded out, and maybe you heard your whole life like I did. We gotta live like Jesus, and we gotta, you know, pursue a life that looks like Jesus. Those are all noble things, but hey, that's not the good news. You wanna know the good news is that we get to live our life as Jesus. Why can I say that? Because Jesus tells us pretty clearly in Scripture that it is his intent not to just help us live like him, but for him to actually live his life through us, okay? So we're talking about that in this series. And then last week, um, just to recap, to set up a little foundation, we talked about a word called incarnation. Everyone say that, incarnation. And that word incarnation means this. It means enfleshment, okay? In other words, in flesh or taking on flesh. So last week, we talked about how Jesus came to the earth in human form. He put on skin and bone. He walked where we walk, and he put on human flesh. Why? To show, not only to save us, yes, he saved us, but also to show us how to be his hands and feet to people in this 21st century, in this socioeconomic and and political climate that we live in today, show us how to be his hands and feet. And and so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about something that I think is really important, Um, Because as we learn to live this Christ life and learn to let uh, Christ live his life through us, I think it's really important to talk about something that, honestly, we don't really ever talk about. And it's really talked about, and I think it needs to be. And that is our reputation. A little bit different direction than maybe you thought I was going to go. But hang with me. This is going to get good, okay? Uh, It's our reputation. And I'm not talking about your reputation at your job or your reputation with your kids or your wife. Um, or your buddies that you play golf with. No, I'm talking about our reputation as a group, our reputation as Christians, as a body of believers, people who call ourselves Christians, our, 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 our street cred, right? Our reputation. And, and I'll ask you this question, and th- I want you to think about this. People outside of the sphere of Christianity, I want you to think about what do they think of us? More, more than that, and we're going to dive into this in a moment, but how do they feel about us? Okay? And, and I'll tell you, because oddly enough, if you look up on Google, and you don't have to because I did it for you, okay? But if you look up on Google, 
why are Christians blank? And you leave it blank. You know how Google will like autofill that thing for you with all the most popular searches, you know? Okay, so I did that. Why are Christians blank? You want to know some of the things that popped up? Here they are. Number one, why are Christians so judgmental? It's the number one thing, y'all. Number two, why are Christians so hateful? You ready for this one? I love this one. This one makes me laugh. This one's really not that bad. It just is funny to me. You ready? Why do Christians hate yoga? Okay. I don't like yoga. I don't like doing it. But uh, why do Christians hate yoga? And the last one, I hear this all the time. Why are Christians hypocrites? Hmm. Y'all, these, these things are the, literally the top things that people search for when they're searching about Christians, people who profess the name of Jesus Christ. These are the top things that people outside of our sphere, outside of our world that we've created, these are what people search for. And that, if, 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 if you're not catching my, my picture here, that's our reputation. So I think it's fair to say you get the point that Christians are getting a bad rap today. And, and, and can I be honest with y'all? I'm of the opinion that at least some of it is pretty well-deserved. Can we be honest? Listen, we're a good news church at Calvary, and I promise you're going to get to some good news, but can we get a little bit uncomfortable this morning with the reality of the fact that some of this reputation, as a group, I'm not talking about you, but as a group, is at least a little bit deserved. And last week we gave you some statistics um, about how uh, church attendance in America is um, insanely declining, which is interesting because at the same time, people's interest in spirituality in general has remained the same. That's, a study, study, that's what studies have shown. So think about that, right? So, so while people are actively, in this world today, actively looking for the spiritual, they're also at the same time actively avoiding Christianity. Why is that? Well, can I submit to you the possibility that that might be because Christians' reputations have deferred and deterred people from even giving Christ a chance? Listen, can I be honest? Most people that I've come in contact with that have issues with this whole thing that we call church and Christianity and, and the Christ life, most of them don't have an issue with Christ. They got a problem with his followers. Okay? And I'm, I promise I'm not here to condemn you, but we need to talk about this today because our reputation is absolutely important. Because why? Because when we read, when we read about the life of Jesus in Scripture, it's really interesting to find out that his reputation was a lot better than our reputation. Okay? Think about this. Now, don't get me wrong. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, for the most part, really hated him. Okay? But that's Interesting because, think about this, the, the religious leaders, the ones who considered themselves to be closest to God, were the ones who were the least attracted to Jesus, who was God himself. But the regular folks, man, the average everyday Joes, the ones who were regarded as the ones who were the furthest away from God, were the most attracted to Jesus. It's interesting, right? It's at least something that we need to think about. 
And listen, while Jesus was never concerned about being a people pleaser by any means, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes, but while Jesus was never um, concerned with being a people pleaser, and I, I'm not telling you to be a people pleaser, y'all, that's, that's draining, but I think we do need to focus on our reputation as a group and why we have this reputation. Come on, you, you've probably experienced it just like I have. You're rolling down the street. I experienced it just last week, man. I'm, a, I'm at Kroger, and I'm in the parking lot, and I hear this megaphone, and I, as soon as I hear a megaphone and someone's speaking it, I know. I know what that is. You know what that is. So, so, so we have a reputation, and we have to focus on that. Because you've got to understand, Jesus was absolutely concerned about his reputation and the people that he attracted. He attracted specific kind of people. And church, can I tell you, if we are not attracting the same kind of people that Jesus attracted, listen, that we are not living and preaching the same message that Jesus lived and preached. We're not allowing Jesus to live his life in and through us. Okay, so let's talk about our reputation. Okay, so, so, so when I was a kid, I heard all the time that, you know, okay, yeah, you got your reputation, but what you really need to focus on is your character. What you really need to focus on is your integrity, because that's what happens behind closed doors, right? That's what happens when no one's looking. That's what God looks at, so that's what matters. Don't focus on your reputation, because that's just what people think of you. Who really cares? Who really cares what people think? But can I tell you that your reputation absolutely matters, and we need to focus on it because why? I, I'm not just saying this. Scripture talks about it. Proverbs 22 was written by a guy who was considered to be the most wise man who ever lived. And he says this in Proverbs 22. Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. Choose a good reputation over great riches. So it goes without saying that I think God finds it important, our reputation as believers. You got to understand, before I can even get into this, we got to talk about what our reputation is. Because a lot of people have this, concept, or this, this notion in their mind that, you know, your, your reputation is just what people think of you, which is true. But it's more than that. You got to understand I'll give you a new definition for your reputation. It's not just what people think of you. It's how people feel about you. Listen, we, we got to focus because how people feel about you typically determines how they feel about Jesus. You got to understand that. When you hear a word or a phrase or, or a name, it makes people feel. It creates a picture in their mind, an association in their mind, based on how you made them feel. And I love this quote from Maya Angelou that she once brilliantly said this. At the end of the day, you've probably heard this before. At the end of the day, people won't remember what you said or did, but they will definitely remember how you made them feel. I think that's so true. So your reputation is more than just what people think. It's how people feel about you. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what I mean. For a moment, I want you to close your eyes, okay? If you're in here in person or if you're online watching at home, I want you to close your eyes, okay? And I want you to, I'm going to call out some names and some phrases, and, and I, won't, I don't want you to give a, a, a show any emotion or look at your neighbor and um, punch them or anything like that. Just think about in your mind what these things bring up and invoke in your mind. Here we go. You ready? Eyes closed? All right. Forest fire. Morning sickness. 
ingrown toenail. Ready? Can we go there? Republican. Democrat. Can we go deeper? Homosexual. Climate change. Second Amendment. Conservative. Liberal. Muslim. Jewish. Obama. Trump. Okay, you can open your eyes. Okay, chances are when I said each of these things, that created a picture in your mind. Yeah? And based on that picture, you attached an emotion to that. It, that, that word, just the mention of the name or the phrase made you feel something. And that just proves my point that, y'all, that our, our reputation is more than what people think. It's how they feel. And that's what matters. Because church, you got to understand, if Christ is living his life in and through us, we have to focus on mirroring the way that Jesus made people feel. It matters, y'all. It matters. Listen, many of you who are in this place who, who may be believers, if you ever, um, if, you, if you, you know, profess to know Christ and you're a believer in this place, you probably encountered someone before you actually embraced Jesus that made you feel Jesus before that, okay? For me, that, that was my parents, and that was one specific leader I had when I was, when I was a young boy, and, and I totally agree with what Maya Angelou says. I don't remember 90% of the things that those people said to me, but I 100% remember the way those people made me feel. Okay, so I, 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 they made me feel welcome. They made me feel at home. They made me feel unconditionally loved and accepted, even when I slipped up or they maybe didn't agree with my choices. And at the end of the day, the way they made me feel, you've got to understand, it opened, the way they made me feel opened me up to embrace Jesus. And the same thing happens with you and I. Like I said, we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. We are the ones, much like John the Baptist, right, who are preparing the way for Jesus to be discovered in people's lives. And if that's the case, the way we love people opens them up to embrace Jesus. And if we have a reputation of not being a very loving bunch, can I be honest? It's no wonder why people don't really want to be any part of Jesus. They don't want anything to do with Jesus because that's how it works. The way you make people feel is what opens them up to embrace Jesus. Okay, so let's go to, 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 to John chapter 13 because I want to read something to you because it's not just, I'm not just here to tell you that we have a bad reputation, okay? I promise I'm not a bad news preacher, I'm a good news preacher. So we're going to take, we're going we're gonna to get into some good news, okay? But you got to understand, we, we, so there's a problem, so we have to fix it. We have to fix our reputation. And Jesus gives some pretty clear direction in John chapter 13 on how we can do that. Okay, just to give you some back text of, of what's going on in the context of this verse, Jesus is um, serving dinner to his disciples. He's washing their feet, and as he's doing this, he's talking to them and giving them some instruction that we can use today. Jesus is speaking to you and I on practically how we can repair our broken reputation and thus live the Christ life in and through us. You ready? Okay, John chapter 13. If you don't have it on your Bible, it'll be right behind me. It says this. A new command I give to you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, so you must also love one another. Now real quick, if I asked you to rank yourself on a scale of one to 10 on how well you obey this command of Jesus. I'm sure some of us in this room will, you know, hype ourselves up a little bit, give us like an 
8.59. I feel like I love people well. That some of us, you know, might not be so confident in ourselves. Ah, I'm not really an outgoing person. People kind of annoy me a little bit, if I'm honest. Like, 4.55, you know? And, and, and at glance, at first, at surface level, this verse seems pretty doable, honestly, right? So Jesus says, I give you a new command that you love one another. Cool. Simple. I can do that. I can, I can love you. I can love on you, right? It seems simple. But Jesus doesn't stop. Or he doesn't stop there. He continues and expands on what he's saying. And this is where it gets a little dicey and, and what I want to talk about. Because he continues to say, even as I have loved you, you must also love one another. So, so think about that for a second. You mean to tell me, in the exact same way, to the exact selfless, servant-hearted extent that Jesus loved me, now I'm supposed to love other people like that. Y'all, can we be honest? That's tough. How am I supposed to even think about thinking about loving that perfectly and, and undisputedly loving that way. I, I can't. It's, it's really, really difficult. In fact, can I bust your bubble a little bit this morning? It's not possible. It's not possible. And, I, and that's on purpose, by the way. It's not possible. Why can I say that? Because listen, you can't live this life. That's good news. Happy Sunday. Hey, we'll see you next week, right? You can't live this life. And that while that may seem like bad news, I promise you it's good news. Why can I say that? Because that's why I love the gospel. What does the gospel declare? The gospel declares that it's not based on my own merit or performance that I get to do any of this. It's the fact that what Jesus did on the cross brought me in perfect union with him. And because of that, I am inseparable to Jesus. He is on the inside of me and he's living his life in and through me. Now, what does that mean? That means that he lives his life, not me. It's a gift. It's a gift. So it's impossible for me to live this life. It, this is why Jesus talks so much about the vine and the branches, the importance of being connected to him, because that's how he lives his life in and through us. Okay, so we're supposed to love one another the way Jesus loves us. But how do I practically do that? More specifically to today's point, how do I you know, help repair our reputation? Um, and you got to understand, I, I'm not calling for us to repair our reputation just for our egos. Like this is, this is for a purpose, right? This is, for, this is a missional kingdom thing to where I, I don't care about my ego. I want people to know Jesus. And so how do I actively help us um, fix our reputation through the life and, and the, the words of Jesus? And so I'm going to do that. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you four things um, that we find in the life of Jesus, reasons why he had a good um, reputation. Okay, so here's where we're going to go. Number one, really quickly, I want to walk through this. This is deep. If you're taking notes on your Calvary app, you can do it right there. If you want to write it down in your notebook, you can do it there as well. At home, if you want to write this down, please do. Number one, you ready? It's deep. It's meaningful. Number one, Jesus was fully human. Okay, Jesus was fully human. Now, at, at first glance, that might sound pretty obvious and, and, and unimportant, but you got to understand it's critical. It's critical. 
You see, in the first century of Jesus' day, when the Israelites were waiting on a Savior, they were waiting on a Savior that they had pictured in their mind. And what they wanted to happen was they wanted like a, a, a mesh of the rock and, 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 and Mother Teresa to come together and come on earth and save them from all the sin and the error and the wrongdoing that was going on in their life. But that wasn't Jesus. That wasn't Jesus. They wanted someone who was like, otherworldly, right? Like some superhuman, someone so high and lofty that humans could barely relate to him, but that wasn't Jesus. Jesus earned a great reputation, how? By being with normal people. Why? Because he was a normal person himself. He was a normal person himself. In fact, Luke 3.23, I want to read this because this is key, y'all, and this actually might be the most significant scripture pertaining to living the Christ life, and it's found right here in Luke chapter 3. You ready? It says this, now Jesus himself was 30 years old about when he began his ministry. Okay, another seemingly insignificant thing, right? You might be, you might read Luke chapter 3 and just kind of skip right over that. It's just a factoid of the Bible, but you got to understand there's significance here. Let's think about this important detail. He was 30 years old before he even mentioned his mission. A whole 30 years old, y'all. Y'all, I'm one of those kind of people, and I know some of y'all out there, you're the kind of people who, when you get a little Amazon package that you're excited about, you can't even wait 45 seconds to be posting that on social media. Hey, it's unboxing day. Look what I got. You can't even wait 45 seconds to talk about what you're excited about. Yet Jesus waited 30 years to even talk about his mission. Listen, that's why, and in fact, that's why so many people had so much trouble recognizing and receiving him as the Savior. And you got to understand, but I, and I'm not saying that, that God was not, or that Jesus was not God. He was fully God and fully man. But you got to understand, he lived 90% of his life known to the people as just a guy, a local, a neighbor, a native, a human being. And can I be honest, y'all? Sometimes I wonder if, if people like us Christians, People like us Christians because we, they don't like us. Why? Because we try to act like we're Jesus. We try to act like we're other, this otherworldly, superhuman figure, more godly than them, more righteous than them, right? We call it holier than thou. And I wonder how our reputation would change if we just instead were simply just more human, just like Jesus. Just like, just shed all the, all the fluff and the religion and all that stuff and just be a human like Jesus was. Listen, and I've heard, I'll, I'll say, I'm going to say this quickly, y'all, but I wanted to say this to y'all because I've heard a lot of Christians justify their actions by quoting Jesus in, in, in John chapter 15 where he says this. He says, if the world hates you, know that they hated me first. A lot of Christians justify their actions by doing that. But can I tell you this morning, Jesus talking about you being hated is not an excuse to be hateful. It's not an excuse to be hateful. In fact, if we really want to go there, if we really want to go there, think about this logically. I mentioned it earlier, but who was Jesus hated by? It was by the religious leaders who thought they were better than everyone else. So, so Jesus is actually telling his disciples here, this is totally off the, 
off the cuff, but this is a free one for you right now, okay? So Jesus is actually telling his disciples, hey, when you are hated for loving as scandalously as I do, for loving as generously as I do, for living the life that I live, hey, just know you're not alone. Just know that you are never acting more like me than in that moment. Okay, so the second thing that Jesus gave, uh, that gave Jesus a great reputation was this, another big one. Jesus worked a job. Jesus worked a job. Listen, did you realize that Jesus didn't just camp out and hide under a bridge for 30 years waiting to reveal himself as the Messiah one day? No, Jesus had a job, man. He, he was raised by a carpenter and his stepfather, Joseph. So he, he think about this. Jesus came as a sinless Savior, yet he, he submitted himself to the daily toil of, of carpentry as a regular job, working with his human mind, working with his human hands day after day. And that reveals something to me, y'all. That reveals, if, that, if that's the life that Jesus lived, then maybe, just maybe, can I submit the idea that the seemingly mundane things that you and I try to do every day are a lot more sacred than you think they are a lot more sacred than you think they are. And listen, I'm so grateful for my upbringing. I'm so thankful for the seeds of faith that were sown into me as a child. But you got to understand, one of the most damaging things about the way Christianity has been modeled to so many is this weird so-called division between the secular and the sacred, especially in your vocation. Okay, hear me this morning. Hear me. This weird division between the secular and the sacred, right? Because I work at a church, I have a sacred job. Okay, well, because I work at a doctor's office, I have a secular job. But you got to understand, you got to hear me this morning. Don't miss this. I don't want you to fall for the lie that just, be, and this false belief that just because I or Pastor David or, or any other pastor at Calvary Church preaches the gospel through like a formal Bible teaching, do not think that my calling and my vocation is higher or more sacred or more holy than yours. Jesus modeled this with his life. Listen, can I tell you, whether you work at a beauty salon or a doctor's office or a coffee shop or a production plant or a construction site or a school or you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a stay-at-home dad or you're unemployed, listen, your vocation is a high and holy calling because that's the mission field of your life. It's no, more, it's no less sacred than mine. So, so, okay, what does that mean? Can I tell you, you're in full-time ministry. Okay, if you... If you work at a, a, a bank and you're an executive at a bank, you're in full-time ministry. If you work at McDonald's, you're in full, you're definitely in full-time ministry. No matter, no matter what that is, you are a full-time minister. And what does that mean? When you start to realize that, you're going to start to see that every area of your life can be used to love people the way Jesus does. Every area, and that, y'all, that right there is embracing Jesus in and through you. That is how we restore our reputation, realizing that you have a high and holy calling, okay? Thirdly, I'm going to go quick. Number three, the reason Jesus had a good reputation. Okay, can we get dicey? Can we get dicey? All right, number three, Jesus picked fights in public. Ooh. Okay, don't get me wrong, please for the love of everything good, don't go outside and start throwing hands after we're done here, okay, please. But Jesus picked fights in public. Now you may be thinking, hey, how, how can picking fights make you have a better reputation? It doesn't make sense. 
Well, I'll tell you this. It all depends on the fights that you're picking. Listen, if we're picking fights on behalf of, of, of regular people, the ones who can't speak for themselves, and we're fighting for biblical justice, we're fighting for biblical mercy, listen, our reputation is going to rise. That is the life that Jesus called us to live, is to fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. Listen, but can I tell you, we've allowed ourselves to get so sucked into the socio-political division of our culture that we, have, we, we, we can hardly even have meaningful conversations with people who disagree with us. And maybe it's time for us to start picking different fights, y'all. Maybe it's time, can I be honest? Maybe it's time for, for us to stop publicly giving our devotion, such devotion to a certain political party. So much so, actually, that it, it, we, we end up losing our credibility as the voices who make room at the table the way Jesus did. Maybe it's time we start picking different fights. And this is, this is one of the reasons that Christians have such a bad track record. is because we have a really bad history of picking the wrong fights. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus, did, Jesus picked the right fights. Can I give you some examples? Actually, I'll say this. We just celebrated, the, we honored the life and the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. just a few minutes ago. He picked the right fights. He was a model of picking the right fights. Jesus was a model of picking the right fights. Okay, well, what fights did Jesus pick? Think about this. What was Jesus doing when he stepped in to protect the adulterous woman when she was about to get stoned? He was picking the right fight. What was Jesus doing when he sat at dinner with a dirty tax collector that the the religious people hated? (laughs) He was picking the right fight. What was Jesus doing when he went into the temple and he flipped tables because people were being religiously manipulated? He was picking the right fight. Okay, can I tell you this? What was Jesus doing when he was on a cross with you on his mind? Someone who didn't deserve it. He was picking the right fights. He was picking the right fights. And this leads me into the fourth and final thing that I want to share, and that is this. Jesus had a good reputation because Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus was a friend of sinners. And understand this. We sing songs and we talk about you know, Jesus being a friend of sinners as though it's a compliment. But hear me this morning, don't miss this. In Jesus' day, being called a friend of sinners was no compliment. In fact, it was the opposite. He was labeled a blasphemer. People, I mean, he died for it, y'all. He died for it. It was, it was, it was not a compliment. But you got to understand, Jesus was primarily known for spending his time with these people, right? He was known for spending his time with the drunks and the gluttons and the uh, tax collectors and the, and, the, and the immoral and the prostitutes and all these people. Jesus chose to spend his time there instead of maybe spending his time in a temple preaching, you know, the law and the scriptures. No, he spent his time with the people that other people tried to outcast. And why did he do that? He spent his time in their homes, man. He spent his time at their parties, uh, talking with them, having conversation with them. Why? Because he knew that those were the people that needed him. Those were the people that needed him. And listen, of, of, I, I got to say this. Of all the things that Jesus was called, of all the unfair and, un, and unjust and, and bad things that Jesus was called by the religious Pharisees, can I tell you, 
friend of sinners, friend of sinners may actually be the reputation that we need to emulate the most. Maybe. I think it is. Because that was the heart of Jesus. That is his heart wrapped up, this friend of sinners. Okay, and how do we become friend of sinners, right? I'm, if I'm supposed to do that, how do I do that? Here's how you become a friend of sinners. You got to do a couple things, okay? We're going to get a little bit dicey again, okay? Don't, don't throw pitchforks at me. Don't leave just yet, okay? I promise I'm going to land this plane. In order to be a friend of sinners, you got to overlook sin. Yikes. It's true. Okay, now wait a minute. What did this young, uneducated, dumb kid just say? I got to overlook sin? Yeah, I did. Now hear me, I didn't say you got to stop caring about sin. I just, in order to be a friend of sinners, you got to be willing and able to overlook it long enough to build a relationship. That's what Jesus did. Listen, you got to understand, Jesus routinely ate with people who were sinning. And in that culture, when you eat with somebody, when you sit down at a dinner table with somebody, that means very significantly that you accepted them in that very moment just as they are. That's what Jesus did. Okay, secondly, you got to do this. you got to get a context for sin. you got to get a context for sin. Okay, so Jesus was able to overlook sin for a moment because he knew, hear me this morning, he knew that, his sinful beha- that their sinful behavior was not the real problem. It wasn't the real problem. Jesus understood that their sin was simply a symptom. Okay, you gotta, you gotta remember, Jesus didn't come to just make naughty people nice. Jesus didn't come to just move people from the naughty list to the nice list. Jesus came to make dead people alive. To make dead people, that was the real problem. So in order for him to accomplish that mission, he had to overlook sin. And in order to overlook sin, he had to get a context for the fact that that their behavioral sin wasn't the issue. It wasn't the issue. You you ever think about this? Jesus never like, he, he didn't stay in one place. He didn't stay in one place and expect people to just come to him, right? He, he was traveling. He was in their neighborhoods. He was in their homes. Why? Because he knew that that's what they needed to build relationship with them. And in order to do that, he was able to overlook the symptom in order to cure the real sickness. So, so can I tell you this morning as we, as we close? I'm done. I'm done. As we close... To be incarnational, to live the life of Christ through you, means we have to be friends of sinners. We have to be friends of sinners. And why? So that in time, people are going to see us as being a safe space to have conversation with. That was, that was Jesus' how to his why. Jesus was a friend of sinners to create a safe space for them to have conversation with. Listen, and and can I tell you, we're not here to fix people, y'all. That's not our job. I'm not here to fix people. I'm not here to try and make them right. That's not my job. That's Jesus' job. But what is my job? My job is to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to have conversation 
with those who others, the religious, might outcast in order to have conversation and let them know who they are in Christ, who Christ is to them. That's what Jesus' life and ministry looked like, and that's what ours looks like as well as we let him live his life through us. Okay, think about this. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm closing, I promise. But, but, but think about this. And, and if you don't hear anything else today, online, if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Tweet it, write it down, put it on your wall, your Facebook wall or your real wall, I don't care. But hear this. Jesus was the holiest man that ever lived. Can we agree? Okay, Jesus was the holiest man that ever lived. Think about this. And at the same time, simultaneously, was the holiest man that ever lived and the least judgmental person that ever lived. I think there's a correlation there. (laughs) I think it was on purpose. I think it was intentional. And if we're going to live the life of Christ and if we're going to let him live in and through us, I really really think that's how we ought to live. And listen, you got to understand that doesn't make... Uh, that doesn't mean that we make unwise choices and that those unwise choices don't carry natural consequences. No, sometimes we mess up in ways that damage relationships and, and, and create loss in our lives. But you got to hear me. God doesn't give up on you, so neither do I. Okay, so, so unwise choices, yeah, they have natural consequences. But if God doesn't give up on you, you better believe I'm not either. You better believe I'm not either. Listen. I want to tell you as we close, and actually, everyone who's here, can you stand on your feet? Because I want to speak this over you. As we close, I want to tell you what we believe at Calvary. Because what we believe is how we model our lives, okay? Your behavior follows your belief. And so this is how we model our lives. So I'm going to tell you what we believe at Calvary is this. We believe in redemption. (laughs) We believe in restoration. We sung about it a few minutes ago. We believe in new life. We believe in healing. We believe in freedom. Listen, we believe in, in, in completely transformed lives. And I want to speak this over you because if you haven't, if you've heard this before, amazing. I want you to get it again and again and again and again. But if you haven't heard this before, we say this at Calvary pretty often. And I want you to hear this because this is our, this is my mantra, y'all. This is, this is what it looks like to have the life of Christ lived through me. And that's how we repair our reputation. Okay. I want you to hear me. So on behalf of of Calvary Church, on behalf of Pastor David, on behalf of Pastor Ben, on behalf of our church as a whole, can I be honest, on behalf of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, can I tell you, we extend a special welcome to those who are single, to those who are married, to those who are divorced, gay, filthy, rich, black and proud, y no habla inglés. Listen, we extend a special welcome to those who are newborns, poor as dirt, skinny as a rail. You got a hitch in your get along. Listen, we welcome Democrats. We welcome Republicans. We welcome Libertarians. Listen, you're welcome here if you're just browsing around, just woke up, or if you just got out of jail. Listen, we don't care if you're more Lutheran than Luther or more Catholic than the Pope, or you haven't been to church since 1979.
My God, we offer a special welcome to those who can lose a few pounds. That's me. Let's be honest, y'all. Listen, think the earth is flat, work too hard, can't spell, or came because grandma made you. We welcome Cowboys fans. We welcome Giants fans. Come on, y'all. Listen, we, we offer a special welcome to those who could use prayer right now. That's all of us, y'all. We welcome those who are three times divorced. We welcome those who had religion shoved down your throat or got lost and wound up here by accident. You were just rolling down Cantrell Sansom Drive and you actually just happened to come here. Listen, we welcome those who are in recovery. We welcome those who may be still addicted. We welcome those who are here in person or if you're watching online or listening to this by podcast later. Listen, if you blew your all your money gambling on the last night we welcome you listen if you if you're a tourist if you're a seeker if you're a doubter if you're a bleeding heart if you're not sure about Jesus that's okay we welcome you no matter your background no matter your situation no matter your belief about God no matter your past no matter your right now no matter your future we believe that you belong here because that's the Christ life y'all come on give Jesus some praise that's the Christ life that we live here and now that's how we repair our reputation is living this life this is the essence of Jesus right here come on give Jesus some praise in here.